This is Creative Mornings, a new podcast showcasing the global creative community. This episode is brought to you by MailChimp. MailChimp helps businesses grow. If you're just getting started or you're already building a growing business, MailChimp makes it easy to connect with your customers and sell more stuff. It's totally free to get started, no expiring trial, and no credit card required. For more sophisticated marketers, pro features like multivariate testing offer the same power you'd expect in an enterprise marketing platform in an intuitive, easy-to-use interface. Learn more at MailChimp.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Creative Mornings Podcast. This is Matt, and on this week's episode, we're going to Creative Mornings in Washington, D.C. to hear from rapper DDM. The fact is, is that DDM is actually lives in Baltimore, and we have a Baltimore chapter, so... That's Joel Daly, Creative Mornings D.C. chapter host. You actually may remember him from season one of this podcast when we featured another D.C. talk from NPR's Lulu Miller. It was important that we didn't just invite them to speak, but also coordinated with our Baltimore chapter because, you know, they, you don't want to be redundant and I'm sure they don't want to be redundant. And so I reached out to Olivia, the awesome organizer of the Baltimore chapter about it. And she was so supportive of it, not just for our sake, but for DDM's sake. Um, In fact, she, she knows him. And was like, yeah, I've thought about him for us, but um, you guys should use him um, if you think he's a good fit because it'd be so good for him to like get out there more as well and get more of an audience because he is so great. And I mean, that just speaks to the Creative Mornings community as a whole. It totally does. It's we have such a great network of people in all you know, uh, 140 plus cities around the world. We can just reach out to any one of them and ask them a question. Sometimes it's specific to the a talk that we have coming up. Sometimes it's just like, hey, I'm going to be in your town. Do you want to meet for coffee? And do you have any recommendations? And that's one of the huge perks and luxuries of, of doing this is having that support. Now, all season long, we've been very lucky to connect with all of the episode's speakers for a Skype conversation. And unfortunately, it just wasn't in the cards for schedules to line up with DDM this week. But thankfully, Joel was willing to jump in. Um, what or who brought DDM to your attention? Well, it, it was an interesting situation because we really, there, there's some, sometimes where you're looking at the theme and there's just this perfect person or this perfect area that you feel like you need to hit um, that represents in this, you know, in our case, DC's perspective on that theme. We've represented music, but obviously haven't represented all aspects of music. And when it came to language, just became clear, like having a sort of prominent hip hop artist would be a really great match for the theme and also something that we haven't done before. So we can get some, you know, really unique perspective on it. And um, through a friend that was connected to, to DDM. Um, and when I spoke to him, I was just like, Oh, you know, he's, he's got to do it. He was super enthusiastic about it, has a really unique perspective on things. It was about language and he's, you know, he's a great sort of lyricist, hip hop artist, but a lot of what he talked about and a lot of what he focused on is nonverbal communication, which I thought was really, really interesting. And he, he really comes off so natural on stage. I was just going to say one other side note. I'm not sure if you're interested in including it or not, but something that I thought was really interesting and I don't want to like sell out DDM on this, but he does mention it in his talk a little bit. He's got such a presence and, and his persona is so confident 
And when I initially talked to him, he just went off and had all these like great ideas about how to approach language in, you know, sort of his off the cuff approach. And then when we spoke later on, I think he second guessed himself and started trying to be too academic about it. So he was bringing in, you know, all of these sort of linguistic references and things like that. And I told him, I'm like, this stuff is relevant, but I feel like we lost you in, you know, over the course of the last couple of weeks and, and you, you putting this early sort of version together. Um, it doesn't have your personality. And as we spoke, he's like, wait, so you just want me to get up there and like rant to people about how I feel about image, you know, building an image and the languages that we, you know, the language that we use in doing so and all of that. And I'm like, yeah, dude, that's exactly, that's perfect. He's like, all right, well, if you think people want to hear that, then that's what I'll do. It was a really great sort of turning point because he's, you know, you can be so confident when you're in your the places that you're comfortable with but then second guess yourself when you're you're brought into a new space and so it was really great that he was willing enough to trust us to bring his real self that morning and uh share it with us and during this lecture he uses a few slides which i'm always a little worried about when i'm turning these into podcasts and but i think there's just he he deals in sort of in his talk, as well as uh, I think in life, he deals in icons, kind right. of. You know, so there's a sort of yes, it's visual, but it's also relatable. Like you know, when he when he talks about magazine covers, when he talks about Diana Ross, you just that's what's so great about what he's saying and the people and the things that he's talking about is you have this archetype in your head. You've got this image that flashes up when he talks about Diana Ross, and as you hear him talk, it's just like yep. Exactly. And they were nice to have the day of, but they're not essential. Right. It's like the slides were there in the background, but he himself gave them a run for their money. And so while they are helpful in supporting his points, really were a backdrop more than anything else. While we're talking about visuals, we should let the audience know that part of DDM's lecture involves two of his music videos, which he shows to compare his use of language. Right. The two songs are Come Through and matinee. I think you get it to like if you play come through if you if you play like the beginning of come through and you hear just all of the like almost like abrasive uh instrumentations and, and layering of sounds and stuff I think it is really representative of the the look that they've established in that video um and I mean I would also say encourage people to go check out the video um and listen to the full song because it is uh it is just a really great sort of study of, of verbal language and nonverbal language, like all put together. Yeah, so it would be worth your while to seek out DDM's videos as a companion piece to this episode, either during or after. Again, the two songs are called Come Through and Matinee. This talk took place at the Renwick Gallery at the Smithsonian American Art Museum in Washington, D.C. There is some foul language, so keep that in mind, although it's fitting because the theme was language. And right now, here's DDM from January of this year. Is everybody doing all right? Okay. <laughs> I wanted to act like Oprah real quick. Okay, so my name is DDM. I'm from West Baltimore City. Uh, Baltimore City in the building. Shout out to Raquel Lake, my girl. She helped me calm my nerves this morning over at Creative Mornings. Everybody doing all right? All right. So the theme today is language. So when Joel 
reached out to me. He's like, you're going to do a talk on language. You know, I went and did all of this scientific research about haptics and oculistics and all of this. And he's like, well, we're not booking you for that. Um, we want you <laughs> to tell your point of view on language. So I said, okay, well, basically how are we going to do this? We're going to tell my story and how it relates. So this is a story on language and communication with your five senses as it pertains to developing yourself as an artist in general. Now, my medium happens to be hip-hop. So, you know, because I can't sing, I feel like God, you know, didn't give me that talent for a reason, and I don't try to do it. So we're going to start off, we're going to take you back uh, it's called Speaker Box, a discussion on communicating with your five senses, your five senses you see, hear, smell, taste, you know, all of that. Um, so with your senses, basically how you enter a room, that's communication and language. We all know that, right? You show up for a job interview, you look a certain way, you act a certain way because you want to get the gig. Even when you meet a nice chick or a nice young man, whoever you know, you're into, whatever you're into, whatever floats your boat, you, know, you smell a certain way, you feel a certain kind of way. You know, it's like when you bake cookies, realtors bake cookies when they're trying to sell a house and you go in and the house look a mess but they got cookies on. <laughs> so we're gonna start off to me, oh. Shout out to Diane, that's my mother. <laughs> so, I was born in 1984, November 25th, 1984. I think that's the same day as Tina Turner, anyway. But, um, so I grew up in West Baltimore City. In West Baltimore City, it's a heavy, at that time rather, it's a heavy populated African-American area. I know you saw some parts of Baltimore City on CNN in April of 2015. Okay, that's where I'm from. So. I started out, I'm gonna show you how a person goes from this nice, cute, innocent child to this, okay? Now, when I was growing up, I never really related to male things. I didn't like wrestlers, I didn't like G.I. Joe, I ain't like none of that at all. I always liked female entertainers. And around 1995, 1996, when I was about 10 or 11 years old, uh, Little Kim had first came out. So, you know, we're in middle school and we're passing around hardcore. And she's seen the filthiest things ever in life, things that I still haven't figured out yet. We're going to try to figure them out, but I ain't figured them out yet. So, we're 10, 11 years old listening to hardcore. So I see this chick come down the escalator. At the time, it was the box, the box on cable. Um, and she comes down the escalator in a mink. So I was like, who is this chick? And she rapping, ah, mama, Missy Vine. I'm like, okay, come on, Kim, kill it. So I see her, and I was like, I want to be famous. <laughs> I want to be famous. And, you know, some people can relate to that. Some people can't. But... In life, I feel like whether you know who you are or not, you find who you are by seeing it. And no, I didn't want to do the wigs, but I definitely wanted to do that mink, and I definitely wanted to be in New York City. So I see Kim, and I was like, I want to be famous. At that time, I still didn't know if I was going to rap or not, because growing up in Baltimore City, the culture is rough. It's tough. Our artists are very rough around the edges. And 
Every time they try to clean us up and make us pristine, it just don't work. Now, R&B singers are a little bit different, but when it comes to rap, rap is an aggressive art form. How you communicate your diction, your projection, your persona. I know right now in rap it's in vogue to be a junkie. But at that time, you had to be tough and aggressive. So right now we're experiencing a very big queer movement, uh, underground and hip hop, which when I started, wasn't no queer moment, movement. Either you rapped or you didn't. Either you was good or you wasn't. So around when I was about 14 or 15 years old, I started writing rhymes. And like, they was bullshit. I ain't even gonna lie. They was bullshit. I'm listening to salt and pepper and shit, trying to do that shit. Little did I know, you a 300 pound, dark skinned man. You can't come like, like that, not in Baltimore City. So around 16, 17 years old, I started doing rap battles. At that time, I wasn't out. So my rhymes, when you first start out as an artist, the way that you work, you model yourself after other artists. It takes a while to find that voice, and as we go through this journey, we're gonna see how I develop my voice. And at the time, you know, what was out then? DMX, Rough Riders, Cash Money, you know, all else. So I was like, Rough Riders! You know, I had on my, uh, my Jabot jeans and my Air Force Ones and my bubble vest. My, we wore first downs. I know in DC y'all did North Face. We ain't know about that. Um, so I used to be very aggressive. I've always been an aggressive person, but I didn't know where to channel this aggression because trying to be like DMX or trying to be like Biggie, that's not who I am. I grew up watching Jim and the Holograms, you know what I'm saying? So I can't tell you about that life, but I can tell you about Baltimore City and Baltimore City is a very tough city, whether you're gay, straight or whatever, our people are tough and you have to be that way. So I started doing battles and I remember my first battle, I come up to the mic, you know, I came down on the train. Now, at that time, rap was very crew-related. It was like a lot of crews, which is still kind of that way, but they're all like junkies, so it doesn't matter. But, you know, at that time, it was crew-related. And also, the Baltimore rap scene was ruled by the underworld. So, at that time, when we did battles, we made money. It was nothing for you to leave with 500, 1,000, maybe even two for one battle. The reason they did that, you came in, you put your money in the pot. At that time, the drug game in Baltimore, it's always been prevalent, but at that time, it was really, really hitting a sweet spot. So the drug dealers would do side bets on us. So if you were a favorite, they would put extra money on the pot. You better not lose. But if you built the reputation, you would get that money put on you, and you would leave with good money. I mean, you're talking about kids who were working at Burger King. I was working at the Burger King on Town Road, making $5.25 an hour. So to leave with $1,000, I just went to changes and lost my mind. You know what I'm saying? So first battle, I come down, don't nobody know me. I came on a train. My Nike's dirty. My hair wasn't cut. I was big as a house, still am. I come down, I'm getting mine. Wanna be dope boys, get in line or fall through the cracks like the dust on your mini blinds. Blind as a bat when there's no cash for the grind. Wanna see green like it's night vision every time. 
I gets deep like six feet, but the undertaker got to wrestle to get me. Because Midas not like average men. They put me in a crazy house because I started eating your pen. I don't mince words with no bird, but I'm still cuckoo. On stage, I'm the shit like I'm spitting out poo-poo. My duck's lined up. When I spit at you, man, it's going straight to your head like Excedrin PM. With no ice, I stay cold. My fingers stay swole with bigger rings than the inside of your toilet bowl. Killed them by myself. So I get to the final round. Thank you. I get to the final round. I go against this kid, Verb. Now this is where body language comes into play. You're a kid in a club in a sketchy spot in Baltimore City. You don't know anybody. The kid that you're going up against knows everybody. And he's in there with his whole crew. And when you get on stage to go against this kid, you've seen the Smack DVD videos where the crew finished the words for him, like we don't know that you wrote that shit before you got there. <laughs> so they there, and this is where my confidence was not built yet because I choked. I choked real bad, but that was a lesson. That's when I figured out, bitch, maybe DMX is just not you, okay? We're going to have to go through some things. So I continued to do battles, and at that time, I started writing music. I started going to the studio. Now, at that time, they were charging us, what, $50, $100 an hour for studio. Now you can build your own shit in your house and put it on the internet. At that time, it was no MySpace. It was no YouTube. It was no Facebook. None of that did not exist yet. So the benefit of that era is a lot of times when I go against kids who are made in the internet age, when it's time to do that show live, they can't do it. Because I was raised where you had to come out and you had to make your presence known. That was a must. That's the only way you built your name. So I started writing songs. I started going to the studio. First person I worked with, shout out to Frank Johnson. He worked, used to work for Def Jam, then Atlantic. And he's like, I don't believe you. And I'm like, bitch, what you mean you don't believe me? I mean, I wrote this. this is, he's like, I don't believe you. I didn't get it then. But as I started writing music, you have to believe what you say to people. If you don't believe what you're saying, you're going to come across as ill-equipped, unprepared, unsure, and weak. So no matter what you believe in, I don't care if you love President Bush, I will respect you more because you riding with him. Go down with the ship, this the Titanic. But if you come across trying to be something that you're not, just to get something you want at the time, it's eventually going to show. And you're the one that's going to have to pay for that. So I started working on myself. I started reading fashion magazines. I've been reading Vogue since I was, what, 15 years old? American, British, Indian, Chinese, Nippon. Dazed and confused, L. Well, I don't really do L because I feel like L is like, that's where you go to actually look at clothes you're really going to buy. That's not where you go for aspiration or inspiration, you know? It's like, that's like for girl, you know, y'all in D.C., y'all got some coins. Y'all can actually afford that shit in these magazines. We ain't buying that shit. I'm just going to get inspired so I can go to the thrift store and buy the same goddamn thing, okay? 
So I started reading Vogue. Um, and then at this time, America's Next Top Model had come out. So we're now in, what, 2003, Beyonce's out. You know, it's a whole thing. So I'm figuring out who I am. And I start reading these magazines, and I start seeing how they're interpreting these people who are really not pretty, but they know how to sell themselves. They're showing that, bitch, you got a gap, so what? We're going to put some bees behind you and some paint, and you're going to kill it. And we're going to get Steven Mizell to shoot it. And it's going to be everywhere. That's how they used to do it. So I started reading Vogue, and I started listening to all of these different kinds of artists. You know what I'm saying? So much different kinds of music. My mom grew up on soul funk, so she played Earth, Wind, and Fire and all that shit. You know, so that's already in me. But then I started listening to, like, Broadcast, Stereo Lab, a lot of foreign groups. And I was like, how can we take this and relate it to who I am? Because I'm an aggressive person, but in a different kind of way. And this is at a time when there's no Kanye West, there's no skinny jeans, there's no Lady Gaga. So you have to kind of like wing it. So <laughs> I started reading Vogue and a lot of different other publications. And I started bringing that persona into the music. I started listening to a lot of Missy Elliott. And I started to realize you're more animated than aggressive. Your animation comes off aggressive because of your projection. Where did you get the projection? From going and doing those battles in the middle of Poplar Grove and Edmondson. You got your animation because you watch Jim and the Holograms and you just want to be in glitter. <laughs> you know, so we started looking at a variety of different things. I like to model my aesthetic. It's more, it's more David LaChapelle meets The Wire. You know, you know, I mean, look at this shit, you know, she bangy, she got on her fur, she got on her heels, she in the middle of an alley, that's ugly pretty, with blue eyes and red lips, dark skin, beautiful, with Renaissance era hair. Peep that, we're in the Smithsonian, so I got to give the museum reference. <laughs> so I started looking at these different things, I'm like... You can take all of these things and make it one thing. You don't have to be just this. You don't have to be that. You can be an amalgamation. Really? So that's when I really started getting excited. And I started taking all of these things and putting them into a big mixing bowl. Some of them was hit. Some of them was missed. Some of them was total bullshit. Okay? But one thing about me, them rhymes is going to be together. The look may not be together, but the rhyme's going to be together. So we took all of these influences, and we put them into a pot. And then I shot a series of music videos. And the first couple was trash, you know. But then we came up with one called Come Through. And I was like, bitch, how we take Grace Jones, Furs, Baltimore City, and make it look like a movie set... Hype Williams, all of this different shit. Because the one thing I don't like is people are three-dimensional. Even the most boring person that you meet has some kind of depth to them. There's something else there. But we as people like to put people in boxes. We like to know how to receive people. That's a part of how we communicate, you know? When you call in to your business or gas and electric, 
Good morning. Thank you for calling Baltimore Gas and Electric. My name is Emmanuel. May I have your address or account number, please? You like that? Because she sound nice. She tell you about your bill. You like that it's her job to be nice to you. Even though you know you was late and you should have paid that bill, you know that because that's her job, she's supposed to be a certain way. And that's how we like everything. Whether we admit it or not, we like that. Look at Lady Gaga. The minute that bitch took off all them dresses and costumes, the girls wasn't here for her. Now, she don't want a Golden Globe, shout out to her, but it's not the same. Why? Because they're used to seeing her a certain kind of way, and they always want her that certain kind of way. Even when that certain kind of way does not ensure longevity. We would rather you die than change. And that's life. So we made this video called Come Through. We made this video, mind you, on a $300 budget. We edited ourselves. I picked out the shots, picked out the wardrobe, got me a little hairdo, got two big bitches. Shout out to my big girls. I love me a big girl. Okay? And we just made it work. This is Come Through. So like I said earlier, we recommend that you go check out these videos when you have a chance. But for the sake of the podcast, I will roll a small clip of each song so you're not completely in the dark. Need to calm down cause you're getting too hot. Looking for a nigga with the haze out. Cause I like to get drunk by the haze low. Glimmer shots by Deb, no rage yo. Back this time, I hold your mind. Straight shot vodka, hold the line. Sex tape play, you rest rewind. Feet all up on your house. And shoes I can't pronounce. I'm bitch, I'm shrimp. And shoes that cost an ounce. Girl, fly boy shit you cannot relate to. Ain't got shit, so how could I hate you? Don't pop shit or I will erase you. Send you the Jesus. Let a real bitch come through. What? Let him know when I come through. Tell him move when I come through. Shout out to my friend Benefit. He's from DC. So we did that on three hundred dollars, start to finish, the editing and everything. So when you look at that video. You see some of the things that I was talking about as far as bringing all of those things together. You see the pop element, you see the street element. All of those people are people that I actually know in Baltimore City. That's also showing a diverse group of people because a lot of times we look at areas and that's where stereotyping comes into play. On TV, you see one type of Baltimore and it scares you to death. But the Baltimore that I know, West Baltimore is a section, East Baltimore is a section. You have Dundalk, Cherry Hill, Brooklyn, Fells Point, Federal Hill, Mount Vernon, Station North, but you don't always see that. So that was very important for me to put that in that video. So you see the pop elements, the street elements, the aggression, the animation, all of those things. So after I do this, this video, I got about like, like 20,000 views, and we didn't even get no press, which I was amazed by that. And we put it out, and I was like, okay, I'm starting to understand where I'm coming here. And at this time, you know, I've been reading the fashion magazines for years. So then I start studying people like Grace Jones, and I start going into ancient fashion and ancient dynasties. And I said, how, as a big person, can I look as grand as the skinny person and give the same effect? So I started studying Miss Grace Jones. Now, when you look at Grace Jones, there's a lot of elements in this outfit. Of course, she's a Jamaican woman. 
The fez hat harkens back to the Moors. The cloak, the cape, Roman. It's a lot of different cultures in here that makes this one person. So I said, okay, we need to take that aesthetic and apply it to myself. So I started studying her, and I started studying ancient Moors. And the way the ancient Moors dress, it's very grand. It's very grand. And I wanted to take that aesthetic and bring it together. So you see the correlation here? How that works? How nothing is new, it's just reinvented. Language is not new, it's just reinvented. It's all about how you interpret it. So how you interpret it can give it a totally new modern twist. So I started taking those things and I started putting them together and I started figuring out how I was going to do this. And I started developing my brand into a personality brand. So it's not just you're a rapper. Rap is cute, but y'all know y'all don't buy no rockets. At the end of the day, you've got to be able to sell people more than just one thing. So if you have the gift of gab or you have a personality that works for you, then do it. Case in point, the icebreaker question that I bought, they asked me, said, what's your icebreaker question? I said, what's your favorite curse word? Me personally, I love bitch. I will put a bitch on the end of anything. Hey, bitch, that's the tea, bitch. I'm here for it, bitch. Come through, bitch. Almost to the point where people who know me don't even count bitch as a curse word. <laughs> you know, but we've all got our thing. So I went and looked through all of these different types of dressing, all of these different types of architecture. And then I started to say, okay, how do I want my show to develop? Because, you know, we've all been to a rap show, the rapping 50 people on stage with terrible sound and 80 mics. I said, I don't want to do that. I grew up watching Diana Ross. She gives show. That's who I love. She's shiny. <laughs> I want to be shiny. To this day, I have three sequence pieces in my closet, three fake-ass furs, and a couple wigs, but we're going to get into that. I wanted to be shiny, but I know I'm a rapper. I'm not getting up there, set me free, why don't you be? I can't, that's not me. So how are we gonna make this work? Now, remember when we watched that come through video and we had the two big girls with me? That was my Supremes. That's, why we, that's how we interpret things. Nothing is new, it's only reinvented. It's like MacBooks. It's the same fucking MacBook every time. It's just got a few things on it. That's different. Ooh, high-res screen, but bitch, it's the same software, okay? <laughs> you look at the Supremes, Destiny's Child, who else? Who Ain't no girl groups out now. They done disappeared, but you, you get the point. All of them is the same. The sound may change. EDM is disco. With electronic sounds, they just took out strings and added some dooch, dooch, ding, 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 ding. They still doing the same, although some of these drugs they doing now, girl. I'm back in the day, my aunts and them just used to do coke. I don't know what they doing now. But it's the same culture, nothing changes. It's all the same. 
So I'm studying these people like Diana Ross and Tina Turner. I studied Tina Turner because she's aggressive. Now I know Tina don't like the 70s because that's when she was getting her ass beat, but quite frankly, bitch, in the 70s, you and the iCats were slaying. I'm here for what's love got to do with it, but when you and the iCats was coming out, if you ever get to see it, watch Ike and Tina Turner live in Germany, it hits a go-go. When I tell you Beyonce must have been taking every note, Okay, this woman is a rock singer. But in 1970s, when you're black, you have to do R&B. But she's really a rock artist. We got to find that out in the 80s, when it was late and those job happened. But I look at all of these artists. So when the aggression comes out, I'm like, how can we give that aggression and that fever in rap? Let's take these sounds and meld them together. So when you come out and see that show, we bring the live band, it's still the hip hop element, but let's bring those two big girls out. Let's do a shimmy in a number, let's be shiny. So we're bringing those elements, you're bringing a sophistication. When you look at Diana Ross, she's not a big voice, we all know that. But somehow she got hits. The reason why she has hits is because she knows how to convey language and body language, and presence. You being able to sing don't mean that you a star, honey. And that's the bottom line. But if you come on a stage, think about it. When you look at, hmm, Katy Perry, okay? She sells out Madison Square Garden. It's smoke, 800 dancers, lights, she coming out on a Power Ranger horse at the Super Bowl, you know. She got all that going on to sell out Madison Square Garden. The next month, Aziz Ansari comes to Madison Square Garden in a suit with a stool, a bottle of water, a towel, and a mic, selling out the same venue. Why? Language. People are coming just to see him talk. It's different types of language, people. You paid a ticket to see a man talk to you for an hour at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> you only paid $40 for your ticket. How many parents we got in here? Any parents? Okay, now parents, you paid $150 for your child to go see Katy Perry at the same place. Language, people, knowing your demographic and knowing who you're talking to. Because with kids, they're ultra-sensory. Think about the time we live in. Let's think about internet communication. Now, back in 2000, bitch, it was Netscape. You might have had AOL Messenger, maybe Black Planet. Was Black Planet even around then? I don't know. It wasn't. No, she was even late. So. It wasn't no internet language. People picked up the phone and they called each other. Bitch, meet me down the street. Fast forward. 2016 Domino's is wanting you to order pizzas through a damn emoji. <laughs> we get upset when people send us a message in all caps. <laughs> Bitch, if that exclamation point on there eight times, you know I was pissed off. 
That's how we work now. So think about how language evolves. Think about your children. Think about people. They did a study saying that children didn't want to go out and earn money to shovel snow because they wanted to play their Xbox. We're creating drones. The language is changing. We have superstars online who the average person, your grandmother, wouldn't recognize on the street. But they're famous on Instagram. And I don't care what nobody say, you can dismiss that, but if you do, you're surely selling yourself short because in this world, beauty is a currency and social media is a currency. Kim Kardashian is teaching you that every day. How much money she make off that game, 80 million? That's very real, that's very real money. So you can dismiss it if you want. So you take all of these things, the Diana Ross, you go through your period of coming out, you know? We all know I'm a little spicy. We ain't got to really comment on that. We already know. So how do you take all of those elements and bring it back to the essence? So I'm gonna show you where we're at now and how we took all of those elements and brought them back home. And now we're using other people to convey our language. You even use other people, think about it. And I'm gonna show you this video in a second. Think about when you go at work. You go to work, right? And you got your little crew. And this is one bitch you just don't fuck with like that. <laughs> but because you don't like her, nobody's gonna like her. So you start monopolizing your coworkers' time and you start dropping little spicy hints into the point where you've gotten everybody to not like this bitch and they don't really know why. <laughs> Language through other people. How you smell, how you talk to people, how you enter a room, how you exit. All makes a difference in how people receive you and perceive you. So we're going to play this video. It's called Matinee. I'm now in a band. A bitch has a band. We're not solo anymore. Uh, with Paul Hudson. Back at home, it's called Matinee. Now in this video, we have the same moving pieces, but in a more calm, subdued, and sophisticated way. We went ratchet. Okay. Now we're going to bring all of that in and show you why I'm talking to you in the Smithsonian. And I'm a kid from West Baltimore. This is Matt and I. I was never good enough to flick it up on your TV. You played a role, I can only just do me. Maybe I'm a little too 3D. My mouth kinda bucked for a rate in a PG. Broke, don't suit me, I need me a tailor. Cause they don't show the struggle when you're watching the trailer. Wishing I could rewind everything I miss But they don't put pause buttons on my iPix Voices, all I hear is voices When I'm all alone and I'm faced with choices Even stick to the script to keep casting You gotta take what you want, it's no asking For every Thank you guys So Joel's telling me to wrap it up But uh Basically, I uh, want to thank each and every one of you for even coming to listen to me run my mouth. I really appreciate it. Hopefully, you gained something from this. It's just an insight on how you as a person, you communicate with people in very different ways every day, and you don't even know it. So now, maybe you'll be more mindful. And also, to 
maybe take a chance and try some things you didn't try because that may be the thing that works for you. Um, so I appreciate each and every one of y'all. Um, you can visit me online at www.bondstreetdistrict.com, Instagram, Facebook, all of that, at GoDDM. Y'all have a great morning. Is there any donuts, love? <laughs> Y'all have a good morning, though. I appreciate it. You can watch this complete talk along with the videos at creativemornings.com. And since I had Creative Mornings DC chapter host Joel Daly on the phone with me, I asked him to tell us how he challenges himself creatively. We'll get to that in a second, but first, we have to take care of some business. And this week's episode is also made possible by IDOU.com, an online school that helps leaders tackle their toughest challenges creatively. In line with Creative Mornings, IDOU believes that everyone has the potential to be creative, have an impact, and bring their vision to life. An IDOU online course is a collaborative global experience that includes expert instruction, feedback, supplemental resources, and examples from the global design company, IDEO. Upcoming IDOU courses include Storytelling for Influence, where you can learn how to get people excited to follow your lead, From Ideas to Action, where you can go beyond brainstorming and bring new ideas to life, and Leading for Creativity, led by IDEO CEO Tim Brown, which teaches leaders how to empower their teams to generate, embrace, and execute on bold new ideas to combat disruption. For more information on these or other IDOU courses, go to IDEOU.com. So before we wrap up, I do have Joel Daly still on the phone, and I decided to put him on the spot with the question that we like to end every episode with. Challenge myself creatively? Is that the question? Yeah. I think it's changed recently. It's, it's such a big part of, of my creative life now or my life overall uh, to be involved in creative mornings that where I've really found inspiration and challenges creatively and otherwise is, is just being connected to and speaking with the top of the class creative people in our community. So, you know, I mentioned that there's we have the luxury of being able to just reach out and sit down and talk to really great and inspiring people, both within Creative Mornings and also in, in trying to find the right speakers. And in doing that, I find it's humbling, right, um, to be talking to people who are so accomplished and who are so smart and so talented. Um, and it's sometimes a challenge not to sort of shy away from that because um, it can be intimidating. But... Uh, if you can harness that, if you can take that as a sort of personal challenge to do better, it's really productive. And you don't have to believe that you know you're going to outshine some of these like amazing people, but having them on your radar uh, makes you a better creative person. Well said. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Matt. If you like what we've been doing on this podcast, please share it with your friends, share it online, and go to the iTunes podcasting page to leave us a rating and review. Thank you very much. Next week, we'll hear from Moby. Yes, that Moby. We'll replay a talk he gave to Creative Mornings Los Angeles in June of 2014 as part of a series on freedom. It's the freedom that I have to, to make terrible stuff that also increases the chances that sometimes I'll end up making something good. And I just wish that I could help, like somehow help other people to find that freedom. Our thanks to this week's rooster, Johannes from Helsinki. We would love to know what a rooster sounds like where you're from, so please send us a voice memo with your best impression to podcast at creativemornings.com. 
Thanks to Joel Daly, DDM, and everyone at Creative Mornings. This episode was produced and edited by S. Mateo with sound engineering, mixing, and original score by Devin C. Johnson at Little Library Studios in collaboration with S. Mateo Music. Follow us on Twitter at Creative Morning. Remember, it's singular. And use hashtag PodcastCM when you tweet at us. For a complete archive of talks or just to get involved, go to creativemornings.com.